this morning, uh, I want to continue our series on the book of Haggai, our series called Haggai and the House. Here's a valid question for us to start with. How does the voice of prophecy and the leadership of the community of faith help make sense out of life's ambiguities? How does the voice of prophecy and the leadership of the community of faith help to make sense out of life's ambiguities? Today, we're going to discover the answer to this as we continue our look at the book of Haggai. So far, we've looked at historical context, we've looked at the key themes, and we've looked at the primary message of the book of Haggai. Now, if you haven't caught those messages, the good news for you is you can catch them on our YouTube channel, you can catch them on Spotify, or you can download our church app, Zion People, and you can have access to those messages. The good news for you is that our book of Haggai is a short book, two chapters, so you can read it every week as we go through the series and get the message. Herein lies the challenge for God's people, and I always find that when I look at the Scriptures, or when I read the Scriptures, I also find my own story in the Scriptures. And the challenge that the people of God were facing here is the same challenge probably that we might face, if not now, then at some point. How do I know that I'm walking in the will of God? How do I know that I'm walking in the will of God? Well, I believe Haggai shows us through the book of Haggai. And common issue in our faith is how do we discern that God is at work in our lives to do His will, either individually or corporately as the family of God? What you're going to see today is that there are voices that come to hinder us, voices that come to, to lead us away from God's will and God's work in our lives. There's always voices, I don't know about you, but there's always voices in my head. We've got to remember, though, as we've just read in Scripture, that God sent His Holy Spirit to guide us, to counsel us, to teach us, and to comfort us when we make mistakes. But there are other voices. Do you remember the voice in the Garden of Eden? The snake? First words we hear from the snake is, did God really say that? And he comes to deceive and divert, to take the people of God off the path of God, to destroy the people of God. What we're going to see in the passage of Scripture we're going to look at today is there are consequences for living outside of the will of what God has asked us to do. Now, I'm not going to study the consequences because they're plain in the text, but I wanted to bring it in to narrow it down and for us to see how we might connect ourselves with God. But what we're going to learn from God's people as we look at the beginning of Haggai chapter 1 is when you're not in line with God's Word, either through ignorance ambivalence or disobedience, there will be consequences in your life. And those consequences will feel like suffering. So let's not be a people of God who avoid the word of God that he's given us to lead us. Today's message comes directly from the text. And the title of today's message is Consider Thy Ways. Consider Thy Ways. Now that's obviously King James. But it's in the text, and you're going to see that twice God says, consider thy ways. Let's pray. 
Holy Spirit, again, we ask you, we invite you to come. You're present among us, and we invite you to come and enlighten your scriptures for us personally. God, I pray today that you would shine your light, the illumination of the Holy Spirit on the Word of God for people today, whether they're here or at home, whether they're watching us online or listening later as they travel, God, that you would bring to light truth from the Word of God that would come deep inside of us to bring transformation to us. And I pray these things again in the name of Jesus. As, we, as we've read through earlier messages, we see that Haggai was a prophet, a prophet in the Old Testament who speaks the word of Lord to the people of God. Now, God gave prophets to the people as a gift, and often you'll read, you know, if you've ever encountered um, Elijah, who was a prophet, or if you've encountered um, Jeremiah, who was a prophet, you'll see that um, the, the leaders of God's people, and in fact, the people of Jerusalem, people of Israel, relied on the prophet coming to bring them the word of the Lord. And sometimes it comes as encouragement. It comes as assurance. And other times it comes as a promise of things to come, particularly those um, books that are speaking of the new coming of Jesus Christ and the establishment of his kingdom. That's awesome to read. But other times it comes as correction. And this is the case in the book of Haggai. And so the subtext for the title is it's important to hear the word of God, but it's also to be obedient to the word of God. Because it's one thing to hear, it's another thing to be obedient. And, and I want to acknowledge also that for some, it's difficult to hear God. Or they tell me, it's, I don't know that I hear God. Or, how can I hear God? And, and, and this is a, a really important thing, which is why we talk about hearing God's voice, and it's why we offer opportunities to hear God's voice, and why we have encounter space where we can learn to hear God's voice. But sometimes there are blockages that go on, and, and sometimes that's just maturity. It's just how do we grow in our relationship with God so we recognize His voice and respond to His voice. That's the journey of maturity as a disciple. But there are other times when there are blockages between us and God, and, and I experienced this recently. I was in my quiet time, and I was using a guide in my quiet time, and there was a question to ask God. And I thought, this is a good question. So I, I, I said, all right, God, I'm going to ask you this question. And he could have heard a pin drop. It was silence, like nothing. And, and like that's not usual. For me, because I'm, I'm always asking God and hearing God's voice. And it was so different that I got a bit of a shock. And I said to the Lord, well, I didn't get an answer to that question. Sometimes it's because I ask the wrong questions. But in this case, I really felt that the Lord wanted me to press in and ask a different question. And I said, well, God, is there something that's blocking me from hearing your voice? And instantly he started to show me some blockages that were in my heart, some obstacles that were, were there, put there by me, but hindering my ability to hear God in this situation. And so, well, what I do when there's junk in my heart is I give it to him because that's what he told me to do. I take it to the foot of the cross and I say, God, I don't want this in my life anymore. Take it away. And I ask God, by, by the grace of Jesus, that you forgive me for carrying these blockages and, and also acknowledge that because of Jesus, I don't have to carry them anymore. 
And, and that's, that's the way that works at the cross. We take our sin, we take our brokenness, we take our weakness, we take our issues. And Jesus says, yep, I'll wrap them up in my love and I'll get rid of them for you. And then I found the unblock allowed me to hear God's voice. So it's worth working on because hearing God's voice is, is the dynamic way that our life goes in order that we would walk with him and step with him. And so I want to encourage you, if you're sitting here listening to me and going, man, it's all right for you, but I, just, I, just, I get crickets. I don't hear anything. Well, let's find out why. Let's sit together. Let's gather in a small group around the table. Let's, let's pray for one another and let's find out, is it maturity, is it blockages, or is there something else going on? I've particularly found the sozo ministry that we do here, and my exposure to that is long term now, has really helped me to connect to God, and connecting to God is helping me to hear God. What I'd also like to do is um, maybe if Carla and Grace could hand out the worksheets, um, we're trying to extend how we engage you in the Word of God. And lately, we haven't been doing sermons. Well, I mean, the other week, I think Phil spoke for four minutes, and then we got into a group activity. Um, today, I felt to go back to unpacking the Word, but I wanted to give you a worksheet to take away, and you'll see there are some key things there for you to do. Um, when I printed it, uh, I thought, well, oh, it's not easy to read in the dark. But uh, the point is that you take it home. And uh, there's some exercise there. I'm going to point to it at the end. All right. So thank you for handing those out. And, uh, and we'll also make sure that the link for that worksheet is in the description for those of you on YouTube so that you can download it at home and work on it at home. What's the point? The point is let's not just listen to the Word of God. Let's interact with the Word of God and let's grow with the Word of God. And that's why I wanted to prepare that for you today. So you're welcome. Okay, let's start with Haggai 1, chapter 1, verse 1, and we read it on the screen here. You can also read it in your Bible, I guess. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest saying. The first thing I want to highlight here, it's about words, the first thing I want to highlight to you is that the Word of God came by Haggai. He was the communication vehicle. He was the voice piece. He was the channel through whom God spoke to the people. It's an important distinction. And what am I saying? God speaks through people. As I've just shared with you, God speaks to us personally, and I shared you my testimony on that just recently, but I also want to acknowledge that God speaks through others. The danger for us, if you get trapped in independence and isolation, you will only hear part of the message. We believe in the body of Christ exploring things of God together and each one contributing to that. The Bible also teaches us that when we prophesy, we only prophesy in part because we're designed to be dependent on someone else to receive the other part of the, the memo, so to speak. And, you know, I, it's really hard to counsel people when they come to you and say, well, God told me this. And you say, well, have you prayed through that with someone else? They go, I don't need to. God speaks to me. I'm like, well, you're deceived. Because if you're not willing to submit in prayer and other, and other, to other people, then you're not willing to hear the other part of the memo God's got for you. It's called safety. We apply that principle in the church leadership. We apply it especially at eldership. And uh, as an example, 
um, there, there are some aspects of the church journey that we're on right now that's really exciting, and I can't wait to talk about it at the family meeting. But specifically in one of those situations, as I took it to the eldership to, to discuss and to plan and to prepare and, and all that stuff, I also felt that God was going to bring some of the answers to our unanswered questions from the church community. What am I saying? We need you. We need you to be praying. We need you to be hearing God. We need you to be asking God to stir your heart to be part of the journey. The second thing you can see up here is the word of the Lord came by, oh, that's Haggai there. The second thing, it came by to the governor. Now, so when you think governor, he's the administrator of ruler. You could think like the mayor, I suppose. But what I, what I like about this is that, that, that the people of God depended on the voice of God for their administration and the leadership of the practical aspects of their lives. What does that mean for you? You could expect God to speak to you about the practical aspects of your life. Maybe not just help you get a car park in town, but what if you had a specific issue in your life and you said, God, I need your wisdom, and what if he spoke to you and gave you his wisdom? That's what I think this means for us. It would mean listening to God for the leadership in our lives. The other thing we can see that God spoke uh, through Haggai to Joshua, the high priest, and the high priest in the Old Testament is the, the one that leads the priests who minister to God in the temple. They do the offerings on the altar, and they do that on behalf of people. We don't do that now. Jesus opened the way for all of us to have direct access to God. Jesus opened the way for us to be the priests before God, which is really awesome. You can be excited about that. But what this is saying is God wants to speak to us about our relationship, the intimacy we have with Him as sons and daughters. God is calling us deeper into a place where we might surrender to his voice in the deep aspects of our lives. The other aspect of the, 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 um, the governor and the high priest here, and Richard sent me a question during the week by email, which I, I, I enjoyed, and thank you for that because I pondered it, is he used this phrase, he says, what is it about the, the profitable connection between the prophet and the leaders? What is it about that? And if you have a look, if you're writing notes, go and have a look at um, Haggai, no, Ezra, sorry. Go and have a look at Ezra chapter 6 and verse 14. Let's just have a quick look because it, it, it shows us that there's a hand-in-hand -hand partnership. Ezra 6 verse 14 says this, The elders of the Jews built, meaning they built the house of God, and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo. So there's those two things happening at the same time. What's my point? When we work together, we see the prosperity of God's assignment. We see God working through us. So let's look at verse 2. This is where God points out the wrong thinking of the people. So not so comfortable. Thus says God, the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, the time has not come, the time the Lord's house should be built. And this is where it gets a little uncomfortable. Because this is where God says, hey, you're not thinking right. 
please take time to listen to the other messages because it puts context in. But what, you, what we learned previously is that God had said to his people, go back and build my house. Go back to Jerusalem. Where are they going back from? Listen to the messages. You'll see the timeline. They had come back enthusiastic. The remnant had gone. People go, yes, we're 100% in this. Yes, we've got the resources to do this. Yes, we're getting into it. And in Ezra chapter 3, verse 7 and 9, you're going to see that. You just gotta, you've got to see the text to see how excited they were. Look at Ezra 3. This is the parallel passage. They gave money, the people did, to the masons and the carpenters, and they gave them food and drink, and they gave oil to the other nations to bring back logs from Lebanon. And in the second month, the um, Zerubbabel and Jeshua, the high priest and the governor, they, they come together, they began to work on the house of the Lord. And all the sons and all the daughters and those overseeing, those working on them, gave their lives to the service of God's house. This is the commitment that they had to building God's house. They got stuck into it, but there'd been a gap. There'd been a break. There'd been 14 to 18 years of delay. We're going to look at why in a second. But they're saying, look, it's just not the right time. And what started out with gusto and what started out with glory had now crumbled to apathy and selfishness. So it's all right to start well, but make sure you carry the journey. In the workbook, there's a reference to Ezra 3, and in the workbook, you'll see the references that the people started to praise God. There was so much noise that you couldn't tell between the praising and the crying. They gave thanks to God. And if you read Ezra 4, which is one of the things in the workbook, you'll see that the neighbors got lippy, started accusing them, and they stopped building. This is where we find the time when people say, no, it's not yet. And the problem with that is when the people say it, we get off track. See, actually, when we say, not yet, God, what we're actually saying is, no, God. Obstacles that we put in place, concerns. Obstacles we put in place, timeline. Obstacles we put in place, mm, did God really say that? Delay is disobedience. God's saying to his people in this passage, I haven't changed what I said. You've just changed how you think about it. And the problem is that that's created in here, between our ears. And it's the biggest weapon the enemy uses to deceive us. And the problem is when we're deceived, we don't know we're deceived. And it takes a correction from God to bring us back in line with God. That's the power of deception. And painfully, as we see through Haggai, or Jonah, or Elijah, or Jeremiah, is that correction often comes through the voice of someone else. For example, there was a situation in the church earlier this year, no, it might have been last year, late last year, and there was a, a certain area in the church where we didn't have, I'm just going to say, we didn't have peace. Things weren't going as smoothly as what we would like. And I took that to the elders and I took it to the intercessors and I said, would you please lift up this ministry in the church? And they did. And they heard from God and they came back to me and said, there's a correction you need to make. Well, the problem with that message is I didn't agree with it. And I had my reasons. And I said, look, I really feel like we've done the right thing here. 
And they said, well, this is what God says to us. But God is so good. Because over the next week through my quiet time and spending time in Scripture and just spending time with God in relationship, through relationship comes revelation. And God brought correction to me. And he showed me through specific Bible verses, that what, which I wasn't looking for, that what had been told to me as a correction was, in fact, the word of the Lord. Rang up the intercessors and I said, the Lord has corrected me. Let's get together and fix this. And so we came together in obedience with what God had said, and we moved ahead to do what God said to us. And I wonder how that's happening in your lives. I don't know. But disobedience does bring, the delay does bring disobedience. So in the, in the, in the passage of Scripture, look, I'm, I'm encouraging every single week to read Haggai. The more familiar you are with Haggai, the more you're going to see the things that we, we just feel called to point out. We're not pointing out every word in the, in the book. We're not pointing out every line. But we, we're trying to point out key things that God's shown us. And I, I think if you read it every week, you're going to become so familiar with it, you'll start to see them for yourself. But what's caused the disobedience of God's people is the voice of others. As I propose to you when you read Ezra, you're going to he, you see the story about the neighbors who got lippy, the ones who accused them, the ones who judged them, the ones that tried to beat them up. So the first cause of their delay was that they just listened to the voice of others and it got them disheartened. It's common. We hear people complain or we hear people ask questions that we don't want or we think that um, confrontation is, 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 is bad when in fact healthy confrontation is what we need. We had an elders meeting the other day and we wrote up on the whiteboard, you know, um, um, what was the phrasing we used? It was something like, you know, um, tough conversations are productive. So we don't shy away from them. But we hear people complain and we, and we slide away from, we slide away from what we know God had said originally. Now understand, I also just said to you that it's really important we check that what God has said to us is true. And we do that through the safety of the counsel of others. But the lippy people are the ones that cause God's people to be distracted. And if you want to read that, it's in Ezra 4 and 5. You, you don't want to, I'll tell you what you don't want to be, is you don't want to be a Raham or a Shimshai. And if you want to know who they are, read the book of Ezra. So the question I've got on the screen is, are we listening to the voice of God or are we listening to the voice of man? And that comes from the text. The second cause of delay, as you can see on the screen there, is the noise of pressing circumstances. We, we, we're, we're disobedient because of what's happening around us. The pressing circumstances cause us to take our eyes off the promise or our eyes off what God has said, and we base our decisions on the natural instead of the supernatural. When you read Haggai 1, you'll see people are struggling. They're struggling with low crops. They sow seed and they get no return. They're struggling with um, no satisfaction. They're just not fulfilled by the life they've got. They've, they're thirsty. Uh, they're under attack from their enemies. They took this the wrong way and they said, well, perhaps because life is difficult, maybe we're doing the wrong thing. And sometimes God puts these things up here for us to work through them. And there's a kingdom principle that I've learned to embrace that helps me with this. So, so you see, we're, we're human beings in the flesh, as Paul uh, so accurately described relating to our sin. We're human beings. We live on earth. We're contained in a human body. But we're also 
redeemed by Jesus and saved by Jesus, and we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's just a little bit too much to unpack in one sentence. But how we choose to operate determines on how we walk. And, and, and the challenge I have is sometimes, because I'm a human, in the flesh, I think in the flesh and I react to what's around me. And when I think in the flesh, I'm thinking from an earth to heaven mindset, from ground up. And when I think like that, I pray like that. And when I pray like that, I pray need or want instead of God's will. There's a risk. And, and, and I was reading a book lately. I read a lot of books, so I can't remember who, who I'm quoting, but it stuck in my head, this phrase, pray God's will, not your need. And, and I read that when Jesus taught the disciples to pray. He said to his disciples, pray like this, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will, come on, you know this, be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let's pray heaven to earth. The, the way to pray in a safe way is to say, God, I want to pray in line with your will. Will you help me to pray? And, the, and Romans 8 says, when we groan and intercede, that's the Spirit praying what we don't know to pray. He's praying on our behalf. But I want to pray the Father's will, not my will. And I think what happened in Haggai is they looked around at their circumstance and they said, oh, maybe God's changed his mind. And they stepped out of line with his word. I mean, it's a harsh word if you read verse 2. God says, look at the text. He says, this people say. He didn't say my people. He said those guys. The people say it's not time. But then in verse 8, he tells them to get back on task. God is saying, consider our ways. Perhaps the struggle that you've got, and I'm speaking to myself here, maybe the struggle I've got is because I took my focus away from the assignment and focused on circumstances. Well, I'm going to consider it. Look at verse 4. God challenges them. Is it time? Is it time for you, God says? Is it time for you to dwell in your paneled house and this temple to lie in ruins? God is saying, is it time for you to do what you think instead of what I asked you to do? This is, in the text, this is an exposure of wrong priorities. Priorities are the issues of the heart that we, we put up first. And, and there's a good reason for this. Like, this is the thing. When you read the story and you read Ezra and you understand what's happening in the history, you understand they had really, really good reason for what they did. They could look at the things and they, and they read the text. Or they, In those days, they had someone read it to them from the scroll. And, and they read the book of Jeremiah. And they read it and they understand that God said, you will be in captivity 70 years and then you will go back. And they're arguing. They're going, well, is it, are we in 69 or are we in 70? Like, what, who, who's, who's counting here? This query. This morning, I was reading Daniel chapter 9. You read Daniel, Daniel chapter 9. Daniel in captivity before Haggai. Daniel was praying, God, don't look at our iniquities. Look at our heart. We want to be your people again. And here we are in captivity, but you're drawing us back. And then he starts asking God to clarify the timeline for the people. And yet they come back and they're under harsh conditions. 
So they shifted their focus and they built their own house themselves. But even when the reasons for our behavior are valid, they may not be accepted by God. And this is what we see. See, wrong priorities reveal unbelief. And unbelief always requires God's correction, which comes through our repentance. And all of that statement there you'll find in the first seven verses of Haggai. One Bible commentator says it like this. This is kind of tongue-in-cheek, but this is what he wrote in his commentary on the first part of Haggai. He's like, I wonder what people are thinking and what are they saying around the dinner table? We can't get much done at the temple and I'm tired of living in a wreck, so it's time to start remodeling home. God wants me to give attention to things at home, so home comes first. I would give more for the construction of the temple, but all my money is tied up with my home renovations. This is, what it, this is relative to what the people of Jerusalem are going through in this time. Someone else should get to work on the temple. I hope someone steps up. There's a job to be done, but I've got to finish paneling my living room. I'm not living extravagantly. Look at the other houses in my neighborhood. Look at the chariots in their driveway. This isn't the right time. Later, it will be better. And in all of this, God is saying, consider thy ways. Consider thy ways. We see this first in verse 5. Haggai chapter 1, verse 5. The Lord says to the people, consider thy ways. This is a, what's called an idiom. It's a Hebrew saying. It would be like, kind of like us saying, look in the mirror. It's a phrase that was very common amongst the Hebrew people. And as you see on the screen here, if you want to do the literal word-for-word -word translation according to the scholars, not me, I'm not scholarly, but literally it says, set your heart upon the ground of your road. And when they say road, what they mean is, think about your journey, think about your direction, think about your manner, think about your course of life. But what God is really saying, and I'll show you this in a sec, what God is really saying is, look at your life and the consequence of your choices. And if I was writing it, I would add, how's that working out for you? Because that's what God implies. If you read 5 and then 6, he says, consider your ways, and then he describes exactly the struggle they're going through. He's saying, you need to consider your life by, let's look at this next page. He said, you need to, oh no, there it is again, just showing you it's in the, in the book twice. Verse 5 and verse 7, but then why is it in there twice? Consider your ways. God does it twice. The first time he's saying, think about your life by looking over your shoulder. So verse 5 and 6, he says, look at your life and the consequences of what you've decided. Consider thy ways. Look over your shoulder. How's it going for you? Is it an opportunity for God to shine his light on some things as he has done here for the people in the book of Haggai? But if you look at verse 7, he says, consider thy ways. And then he starts to tell them what to do. So what God is saying is, why don't you rethink your decisions and look ahead in obedience? And this is verse, verses 7 and 8. 
So look ahead, God says, and invites the people to choose the path of obedience by coming back in line with what he is saying. All in the first half of chapter 1. An opportunity for us to hear the word of God and obey the word of God. So hear the word of God and obey the word of God. And I decided that the end of the sermon would be up to you. And on the back of the workbook, you can see how you get to choose the ending. And not now, but over the week, I'd encourage you to read the book of Haggai. I'd encourage you to work through some of the exercises we've got. If you haven't seen the other exercises, go back and get the worksheets. They're all in the descriptions of the sermons that are on the YouTube channel. But what I'd really like you to see on the back page is that when God speaks to us today of building his house, I want you to recognize that you are that house. You are the house of the Lord. And the scripture references are there for you on the back. John chapter 14, verse 23. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. And 1 John 4, verses 12 to 16. You, my friends, and I are the house of God. The invitation for us is to hear God's voice and be obedient to God's voice. Why don't you stand? I'm going to pray. And then I've asked the guys if we could sing that song again, the one we just sang, I Speak Jesus, because I think there's real power in that song for breaking circumstances in our lives to see the power of the freedom that Jesus Christ purchased for us come to our world. Almighty God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would continue to speak to us through the week as we come to the Word of God to hear the voice of God. And God, I pray that there would be an opening of the ears and the heart to receive. Lord, for all of us, every single one of us, a fresh word. Lord, this is a time where you're releasing fresh words into people's lives. There's so many testimonies I have of that through others. Lord, may it be for all people receive a fresh word from God today. Lord, I bless these people and we sing in the name of Jesus together.